Chapter Five of Book Eight of Lim is a Hub, Volume Two, by Victor Hugo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gabriel Lambrick. Les Misérables, Volume Two, by Victor Hugo, translated by Isabel Florence Hapgood. Book Eight, Cemeteries Take That Which Has Committed Them. Chapter Five. It is not necessary to be drunk in order to be immortal. On the following day, as the sun was declining, the very rare passers-by on the Boulevard du Maine pulled off their hats to an old-fashioned hearse, ornamented with skulls, crossbones, and tears. This hearse contained a coffin, covered with a white cloth, over which spread a large black cross, like a huge corpse with drooping arms. A mourning coach, in which could be seen a priest in his surplice and a choir boy in his red cap, followed. Two undertaker's men, in grey uniforms trimmed with black, walked on the right and the left of the hearse. Behind it came an old man, in the garments of a labourer, who limped along. The procession was going in the direction of the Vaugirard Cemetery. The handle of a hammer, the blade of a cold chisel, and the antennae of a pair of pincers were visible, protruding from the man's pocket. The Vaugirard Cemetery formed an exception among the cemeteries of Paris. It had its peculiar usages, just as it had its carriage entrance and its house door, which old people in the quarter, who clung tenaciously to ancient words, still called the Porte Cavalière and the Porte Piétonne. The Bernardine Benedictine of the Rue Petit Picpus had obtained permission, as we have already stated, to be buried there in a corner apart and at night, the plot of land having formerly belonged to their community. The grave-diggers being thus bound to service in the evening in summer and at night in winter in this cemetery, they were subjected to a special discipline. The gates of the Paris cemeteries closed, at that epoch, at sundown, and this being a municipal regulation, the Vaugirard cemetery was bound by it like the rest. The carriage gate and the house door were two contiguous grated gates, adjoining a pavilion built by the architect Perronet, and inhabited by the doorkeeper of the cemetery. These gates, therefore, swung inexorably on their hinges, at the instant when the sun disappeared behind the dome of the Invalide. If any grave-digger were delayed after that moment in the cemetery, there was but one way for him to get out, his grave-digger's card, furnished by the Department of Public Funerals. A sort of letter-box was constructed in the porter's window. The grave-digger dropped his card into this box. The porter heard it fall, pulled the rope, and the small door opened. If the man had not his card, he mentioned his name. The porter, who was sometimes in bed and asleep, rose, came out, and identified the man, and opened the gate with his key. The grave-digger stepped out, but had to pay a fine of fifteen francs. This cemetery, with its peculiarities outside the regulations, embarrassed the symmetry of the administration. It was suppressed a little later than 1830. The cemetery of Montparnasse, called the Eastern Cemetery, succeeded to it and inherited that famous dram shop 
next to the Vaugirard cemetery, which was surmounted by a quince painted on a board, and which formed an angle, one side on the drinkers' tables, and the other on the tombs, with this sign, Au Bon Coin. The Vaugirard cemetery was what may be called a faded cemetery. It was falling into disuse. Dampness was invading it. The flowers were deserting it. The bourgeois did not care much about being buried in the Vaugirard. It hinted at poverty. Père Lachaise, if you please. To be buried in Père Lachaise is equivalent to having furniture of mahogany. It is recognised as elegant. The Vaugirard cemetery was a venerable enclosure, planted like an old-fashioned French garden. Straight alleys, box, thuya trees, holly, ancient tombs beneath aged cypress trees, and very tall grass. In the evening, it was tragic there. There were very lugubrious lines about it. The sun had not yet set when the hearse with the white pole and the black cross entered the avenue of the Vaugirard Cemetery. The lame man who followed it was no other than Fauchelevent. The interment of Mother Crucifixion in the vault under the altar, the exit of Cosette, the introduction of Jean Valjean into the dead room, all had been executed without difficulty and there had been no hitch. Let us remark in passing that the burial of Mother Crucifixion under the altar of the convent is a perfectly venial offence in our sight. It is one of the faults which resemble a duty. The nuns had committed it not only without difficulty, but even with the applause of their own consciences. In the cloister, what is called the government is only an intermeddling with authority, an interference which is always questionable. In the first place, the rule. As for the code, we shall see. Make as many laws as you please, men, but keep them for yourselves. The tribute to Caesar is never anything but the remnants of the tribute to God. A prince is nothing in the presence of a principle. Fauchelevent limped along behind the hearse in a very contented frame of mind. His twin plots, the one with the nuns, the one for the convent, the other against it, the other with Monsieur Madeleine, had succeeded, to all appearance. Jean Valjean's composure was one of those powerful tranquillities which are contagious. Fauchelevent no longer felt doubtful as to his success. What remained to be done was a mere nothing. Within the last two years, he had made good Father Mestienne, a chubby-cheeked person, drunk at least ten times. He played with Father Mestienne. He did what he liked with him. He made him dance according to his whim. Mestienne's head adjusted itself to the cap of Fauchelevent's will. Fauchelevent's confidence was perfect. At the moment when the convoy entered the avenue leading to the cemetery, Fauchelevent glanced cheerfully at the hearse and said half aloud as he rubbed his big hands, Here's a fine farce. All at once the hearse halted. It had reached the gate. The permission for interment must be exhibited. The undertaker's man addressed himself to the porter of the cemetery. During this colloquy, which always is productive of a delay of from one to two minutes, someone, a stranger, came and placed himself behind the hearse, beside Fauchelevent. He was a sort of labouring man, who wore a waistcoat with large pockets and carried a mattock under his arm. Fauchelevent surveyed this stranger. Who are you? he demanded. The man replied, The grave digger. 
if a man could survive the blow of a cannonball full in the breast, he would make the same face that Fauchelevent made. The grave digger? Yes. You? I. Father Mestienne is the grave digger. He was. What? He was? He is dead. Fauchelevent had expected anything but this, that a grave digger could die. It is true, nevertheless, that grave diggers do die themselves. By dint of excavating graves for other people, one hollows out one's own. Fauchelevent stood there with his mouth wide open. He had hardly the strength to stammer, but it, it is not possible. It is so. But, he persisted feebly, Father Mestienne is the grave digger. After Napoleon, Louis the Eighteenth. After Mestienne, Gribier. Peasant, my name is Gribier. Fauchelevent, who was deadly pale, stared at this Gribier. He was a tall, thin, livid, utterly funereal man. He had the air of an unsuccessful doctor who had turned grave digger. Fauchelevent burst out laughing. Ah, said he, what queer things do happen. Father Mestienne is dead, but long live little Father Lenoir. Do you know who little Father Lenoir is? He is a jug of red wine. It is a jug of Surenne Morbigou, of real Paris Surenne. Ah, so old Mestienne is dead. I'm sorry for it. Uh, he was a jolly fellow. But you are a jolly fellow too, are you not, comrade? We'll go and have a drink together presently. The man replied, I have been a student. I passed my fourth examination. I never drink. The hearse had set out again and was rolling up the grand alley of the cemetery. Fauchelevent had slackened his pace. He limped more out of anxiety than from infirmity. The gravedigger walked on in front of him. Fauchelevent passed the unexpected Gribier once more in review. He was one of those men who, though very young, have the air of age, and who, though slender, are extremely strong. Comrade, cried Fauchelevent. The man turned round. I am the convent gravedigger. My colleague, said the man. Fauchelevent who was illiterate but very sharp, understood that he had to deal with a formidable species of man, with a fine talker. He muttered, So, Father Mestienne is dead. The man replied, Completely. The good God consulted his notebook, which shows when the time is up. It was Father Mestienne's turn. Father Mestienne died. Fauchelevent repeated mechanically, The good God... The good God, said the man authoritatively. According to the philosophers, the eternal father. According to the Jacobins, the supreme being. Shall, shall we not make each other's acquaintance? stammered Fauchelevent. It is made. You are a peasant. I am a Parisian. Oh, people do not know each other until they have drunk together. He who empties his glass empties his heart. You must come and have a drink with me. Such a thing cannot be refused. Business first. Fauchelevent thought, 
I am lost. They were only a few turns of the wheel distant from the small alley leading to the nun's corner. The gravedigger resumed, Peasant, I have seven small children who must be fed. As they must eat, I cannot drink. And he added, with the satisfaction of a serious man who is turning a phrase well, Their hunger is the enemy of my thirst. The hearse skirted a clump of cypress trees, quitted the grand alley, turned into a narrow one, entered the wasteland and plunged into a thicket. This indicated the immediate proximity of the place of sepulture. Fauchelevent slackened his pace, but he could not detain the hearse. Fortunately, the soil, which was light and wet with the winter rains, clogged the wheels and retarded its speed. He approached the gravedigger. They have such a nice little Argentoy wine, murmured Fauchelevent. Villager, retorted the man, I ought not to be a gravedigger. My father was a porter at the Pritoneum, town hall. He destined me for literature, but he had reverses. He had losses on change. I was obliged to renounce the profession of author, but I am still a public writer. So you are not a gravedigger, then, returned Fauchelevent, clutching at this branch, feeble as it was. The one does not hinder the other. I accumulate. Fauchelevent did not understand this last word. Come have a drink, said he. Here a remark becomes necessary. Fauchelevent, whatever his anguish, offered a drink, but he did not explain himself on one point. Who was to pay? Generally, Fauchelevent offered, and Father Mestienne paid. An offer of a drink was the evident result of the novel situation created by the new gravedigger, and it was necessary to make this offer. But the old gardener left the proverbial quarter of an hour named after Rabelais in the dark, and that not unintentionally. As for himself, Fauchelevent did not wish to pay, troubled as he was. The gravedigger went on with a superior smile. One must eat. I have accepted Father Mestienne's reversion. One gets to be a philosopher when one has nearly completed his classes. To the labour of the hand, I join the labour of the arm. I have my scrivener's stall in the market of the Rue de Sèvres. You know, the umbrella market. All the cooks of the Red Cross apply to me. I scribble their declarations of love to the raw soldiers. In the morning, I write love letters. In the evening, I dig graves. Such is life rustic. The hearse was still advancing. Fauchelevent, uneasy to the last degree, was gazing about him on all sides. Great drops of perspiration trickled down from his brow. But, continued the grave digger, a man cannot serve two mistresses. I must choose between the pen and the mattock. The mattock is ruining my hand. The hearse halted. The choir boy alighted from the morning coach, then the priest. One of the small front wheels of the hearse had run up a little on a pile of earth, beyond which an open grave was visible. What a farce this is, repeated Fauchelevent in consternation. End of Book 8, Chapter 5